Hello. Hi, everyone listening. Welcome to oh. Connecting Vague Dots. Oh, God, Seth. Oh. Why? Right, Why are you doing it that close to the mic? I just thought I'd show off our new mic. <laughs> I don't know that yours sounds that much better. Does mine sound that much better? Do you think maybe Skype reduces the quality? I don't know. I've got a better idea. I know how it will sound really crisp. Go on. And um, we'd both uh, voice recorder on our mics individually. We'd both voice recorder on our laptops and then we'd sync them up together on the edit. It's like an extra step. Oh, Jesus. Um, I mean, I know what you mean. Are you recording on OBS? No. Well, then how are we going to do that? Because <laughs> I'm recording on OBS right now, so I've got great audio. Yeah, you're, you're going to sound good. And I won't. And that's fine. That's my fault, really. I mean, you don't sound that bad. We've been using... We've not been using microphones for quite a long time. Yeah, it will be definitely sounding better, which is good. Yeah. It's a step. I do feel like you sound different to normal. No, not different to normal. That's what I meant to say. You might say the same. <laughs> How's your week been, Jay? Has it been a bit of a long one, mate? Um, well, no, actually. Well, a little bit. I had a barbecue on Monday. Yeah, how was that? That was with your fencing squad, wasn't it? Yeah, that was um boozy. Ooh, did you guess a little bit lively? Well, we had a punch um, with a recipe that one member had been sworn into secrecy about. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I, I can't even remember what was in the punch, and I had to buy it first. So, wait, who was sworn in... You were sworn into secrecy about the recipe for the punch? No, a different member that I went to buy it with had sworn into secrecy about the fact that he'd been sent an Excel spreadsheet with the ingredients on. Uh, right. And we sort of halved the ingredients for the amount of people, um, and I've already forgotten what was on it, so it doesn't matter. Did it taste nice, from from what you recall? No, we had to add about a kilogram of sugar to it. Oh, that is just... Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's just horrible. It's bad. That is ter- Where did you pull out a kilogram of sugar? Did you just have some... No, we went, kilogram- went to the Tesco across the road. Oh my goodness, that's a bit dire. Yeah. Oh. Someone else might have just added some more fruit. We didn't have any. Well, actually, I was just about to say, I've, uni students and fruit are pretty much incompatible because fruit is bloody expensive, isn't it? <laughs> um. I don't think it is. No, I think it is. Apart from the really shitty ones like kiwi, which is like 40p because no one buys them. I mean, like. Other fruit, like bananas, like, are like twenty five p each at at worst. So I'm thinking the berries is mostly where I'm at at the moment. Oh, what, so like strawberries, strawberries, blueberries. Yeah, strawberries and locked. blueberries are really expensive. They're like three quid a punnet, and they go off very quickly, which is why yeah. you don't buy them. You buy apples and pears and bananas, and that's it. But they're the worst ones. No, they're not. Yes, they. Uh, what, what are you are we talking sing- about? <laughs> Why? How, how are apples and pears worse than oh. everything else? Pears are right at the bottom of the pile. Pears are great. 
pears are not. They are oddly textured, and I can't. How I can't even describe what they taste like because they're just so. <laughs> and there's a very small window with pears as well. You, you're speaking about strawberries and blueberries going off quickly, but to get the prime pear, which is the only sort of edible pear, there's only about a two-day window where you can eat it. Really, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, they they have them in supermarkets for more than two days so clearly there's a longer t- longer window than two days if you're home growing pears then you're quite likely to fuck it up I, I, but I I feel like I could eat a mouldy apple okay that's fine I could eat a, a slightly unripe banana but if you eat a slightly gone off pear you know about it don't you because it's all brown and disgusting if, in the you, if you if you eat a pear that's gone too far then you know but if you eat a pear that's slightly early you know but it's fine whereas or as i guess with bananas if it's if it's slightly oh. bruised then it's not particularly pleasant but you can still eat it okay but would you prefer a slightly bruised banana or a a, a too ripe banana you know what one that's not quite ready yet uh, I would have one. Oh, I don't know, because I really don't like the texture of bruised bananas. So I'd probably go with one that's a bit early. Oh no, I hate the early ones because then you've got the extra layer of skin to peel off, and they taste so. They dry out your whole mouth. They do. One bite, and you. I I I don't produce saliva for the rest of the day. Then that's it. I mean, yeah, they really do do that, but I still prefer them. Ugh. Weird. My nan used to make us, um. <laughs> I say make us. Um, she used to <laughs> cut us bananas and sprinkle sugar on the top and say, there you go, boys. <laughs> 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 There's your pudding. And we used to be like, this is bloody brilliantness. This is the best yeah. thing I've ever fucking tasted now. That's pretty Keep good. it coming. I used, to, I used to have a meringue with strawberries and grapes. You know, like those, like, um, Tesco Express meringue things that come in like a six pack yeah like the single portions where yeah, they're yeah, yeah. yeah they were so great. you have to one 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 bit of meringue and then top it with about like four or five grapes and four or five strawberries it's really good yeah and then you used to follow that on with um pringles was this at your nan's no this is at my dad's is that your dad's all right I was going to say, yeah, that's more of a dad move than a nan. Yeah, for sure. and we also yeah. had yum-yums. <laughs> and and yeah. the drink was apple juice and lemonade. Oh, yeah, yeah. This Str- was only yeah. like a once a week thing. But it's still like, it's pretty good. Mm. It's pretty good. I, I feel like if it was more than once a week, you wouldn't be so happy about it. Yeah. Possibly. Anyway, um, how's your week been? Oh, um, I'll start my new job. Painting someone's house? Um, well, at the moment I'm painting, um, what are they, they are, I, I always forget the name, I've been painting them for the past three days and I can't remember what they're called. They are, um, cable reels, do you know what I mean? Cable, cable reels? Like. I think I know what you mean. Okay, sure, so I've been painting those, um, with an undercoat, which is fine, that's, like, within my, sort of, talents. <laughs> but from tomorrow, I'm they've tasked me with um, painting patterns and pictures on top of 
that undercoat to sort of liven I'm working at a nursery so I'm sort of painting and decorating little bits and bobs that the kids can use and play with but I really don't know if they know what they're letting themselves in for because what are you painting patterns you're just going to draw dicks everywhere (laughs) no I'm not going to make the kids sit on the dicks that would be horrible of me no no but (laughs) just my my drawing skills are the worst ever I don't know how how's your drawing. I mean, I, I'd assume worse it's than yours. No, I really don't know about that. I honestly would put that to the test. Mine is. We should do absolutely. a special episode where we do like a drawing contest. That would just be brilliant. I'd enjoy that to be honest. That that would be fun. But no, mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I really I actually don't know what I'm going to do because I can't step back and say sorry I can't draw these because I'm I'm paid now to draw them. Um. So I'm just going to have to go really basic with... I think I can probably manage a tree. <laughs> on, you can manage a tree. On on one of them. So that's one out of 30 down. Um, the alphabet can go on one of them. But then again, I've got the issue that my handwriting is crap. So that's not going to be a very good example to set to the kids, is it? Do you, do you know the order of the alphabet? Yes, I know the order, yeah. Yeah, can, you, can you do it now? I can do it backwards if you want. Yeah, go for it. ZX. No, already wrong. <laughs> already wrong. Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J I H G F E D C B A. Well done. That's quite impressive. Well done. Did you learn that? By heart, or did you just do that? No, I just know the alphabet, Seth. I know the alphabet, but then... Okay, here's a fun little thing. You ready? Yeah. And now I'm I'm just going to come up with a number off the top of my head. I promise I won't have pre-meditated it so I know the answer, but I'm going to come up with a number, and we've got to see who's the first to get that letter of the alphabet. You ready? Okay, so it's 1 to 26. Yep. Okay, <laughs> I was going to do 1 to 24, so thank you for that. <laughs> uh, that's helped. Broadened it a bit. Hold on. Let's go for... Bang up in the middle, 16. P. Yep, don't mind Seth counting on his hands. What the hell? I used to do this with number plates. I still do. What so, do you, you know, like... Um, so, I... <laughs> This is an incredibly nerdy thing that I have done for years. So you get like, on a, on a number plate, you treat zeros as O's of the letters of like the alphabet. So you get like, W E O two, um, X P Y, whatever. It's probably not yeah, a registration fine. plate, but you convert all of those to numbers. So, W, 23, E, 5, O, 15, because it's O in the alphabet, 2, it's B, but it's 2, um, X, 24, P, 16, Y, 25, and then you can do a load of, like, number manipulation to make words based on their correspondence with numbers in the alphabet, letters in the alphabet. I've been doing that since I was 14. Jay? Yeah. Jay? Yeah. 
You're a sad fuck, mate. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know, it's but, I mean, really bad, but it kept my brain occupied on car journeys. I don't think it's that bad, because look, you now have a skill. It's not a skill. It is, look, it's 11. It's a piece of trivia. 11, 11. K. Right, well, that's going to be something that reoccurs throughout the podcast. I'm just going to shout numbers at you, and you've just got to okay. rattle them off. That's going to be I do, I do me. like the fact, and I'd already like to bring us back to the fact that you thought there was 24 um, uh, yeah. letters in the alphabet. Do you know what? I don't... Numbers is a big... Well... <laughs> I was just about you to... You have an A-level in maths. I was just about to give you a short just... little lecture on, on numbers, and then I realised you're doing, you're doing it at university. I'm doing a maths degree, but... and you just about got a maths A-level. Yeah. Um, but I will just say, um, numbers, there's a lot of them to remember, really. And I don't know if they're all that important. So you've got to remember how many days in a month... How many weeks in a year? How many days in a year? How many days in a leap year? How many, how many, da- how many weeks in a year, Seth? 52. No, that... And then cards in a... See, the thing is, cards in a deck cards in a deck, and weeks in a year are very close to each other. They're the same. <laughs> just 52. Do you see why it's confusing, though? No. I just think... Why, I mean, if you, you know them, you know them. four things well to remember. There's seven days in a week. There's 30 or 31 days in a month. There's 52 weeks in a year. There's 365 or 366 days in a year. 52 cards in a deck. Is that including Jokers, though? No, there's 54 including Jokers. Okay. See, that's that's another... That's another there's 52 plus thing. two! <laughs> Well, and then you've got like you it's know, not like you're squares. trying to remember the percentages in poker. No, but you've you've also got like squares on a chessboard, squares on a Rubik's cube, you know. Squares all... on a chessboard is sixty-four. Yeah, but that's, all that's these... quite straightforward. I mean, squares on a Rubik's cube is is just like three cubes, so it's twenty-seven. I just think <laughs> numbers are important, and I get it. I just realised I'm wrong. It's not 27 squares on a Rubik's Cube. Because you've got 8 sides and there's 9 squares on each, so it's 72. 1, 2, 3, 4, mm, Oh no, yeah. 6, not 8. Oh my god. See what I mean? This is, you prove my point. You no, have no, 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 I haven't. It's 54. Point. Yeah, but st- That's not helpful, is it? 54. Well, that's near 52. It's near 52. Yeah, it is. It's, it's 52 plus 2. Yeah. I've already said so that. That's the same amount. So the same amount You know of we're nearly 20 minutes into the podcast, Seth. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> <sighs> I, I feel like we, we've got to the stage of doing this podcast where we just... It's not that we don't care, but we don't put on airs anymore, do we? We we just talk nonsense for a really long time. Yeah, but... And it doesn't matter whether or not it has anything to do with the actual podcast. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't always used to be like that, I swear. No. We we used to try to keep our our sort of digressions a little bit centred on the podcast, and and we... but, But at this point, it's just recording us as we are just chatting, really. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know when this, when it started to be this way. 
Because I do remember, like, in the early days, we were trying to, like, keep the tangents... Like, we were happy to have tangents as long as they spun off the things that were already connected to the podcast. Yeah. But no, now we just tangent before we even start. Mm. I mean, last week we were talking non-stop about stolen babies. (laughs) You say we... Like I was involved, I was. You were to... involved, Seth. You're the you're the reason we were talking about stolen babies. Yeah, but I shouldn't have been. It... Learn to speak better. Yeah, I'm trying. That I mean, that's was supposed to be one of the good things that came out of doing this podcast was that I might become more eloquent and better at speaking. No, it's just it's just worsened. I I think. <laughs> do, you, do you think maybe? I think we've now. I think. Me and all all the guests who's ever come on, we've just made you nervous about what you're saying. Yeah. So you but just you see so you just speak worse. I wonder why that is. It's not. I I don't suppose I get nervous. I just think, like right now, for example, I'm not actually. My mind is just blank, and I'm not actually thinking as to where I'm going with this sentence. But it just sort of. <laughs> It just sort of happens, do you know? Does it happen though, Seth? <laughs> Does it happen? No, <laughs> no it doesn't. that's the point. It doesn't happen. I just kind of think it. something will come out of my mouth, but nothing ever does. Now I'm really struggling with speaking, so that's why... Now you're really getting done. inside your own head. Yeah. That's what's right, happening let's, now. Let's take a break from that, and let's see if going back to the podcast helps at all. So... I did welcome us at the start, but I'll do it again because I probably have cut the start out. So, hello, anyone listening. Welcome to Connecting Vague Dots with me, Seth Cox, and Jay Pennell. Just the two of us today. Jay, say I, hello. Hello, everyone listening. Anyone listening, even. Um, I <laughs> really like how the listeners haven't seen this, but it's very entertaining to me how when Seth addresses the audience, instead of looking at the camera, he looks at his microphone. <laughs> As if somehow that is also a camera. God, do you know? I think it's just because it takes my focus away from looking at you for a bit, maybe. Yeah, I mean, my my shirt is about as open as it can be. Yeah, is that a zipped zipped shirt? A it's zipped not. It's not a shirt. shirt. It is a jumper. Okay. But but it is fully zipped down. Okay, so this is something that I don't understand. So I'm um, supposing it's zipped down because you're quite warm. Which it isn't. Oh, you just sit down for this sexual appeal. Yeah, because this because this makes me much much more attractive to all the females that I associate with. Yeah, and the males, <laughs> especially the males. It would, yeah. I mean, happy Pride Month, everyone. Anyone listening? Yeah. Um, male, female, whatever you identify as, you go for it. You do you. That's all I have to say because that is, is that our Pride say. Month message? I'm not. God, being... we're we're okay, progressive, aren't we? I've got something about Pride Month to talk about in a minute. Oh, okay. So, I was listening to Capital FM today, um, for my sins, and I did realise, as well as realising they just loop like five tracks <laughs> the whole day, um, I also realised, um, one of the news. You know, they have the little news segments on the radio. Um, one of the news segments was um, Ariana Grande has a gay brother and 
they've done news? something with their boyfriend. This is a thing. I am just so against sexuality being news. Why? Why does it make the news? Why does what someone likes or someone's sexual orientation make news? Why does it make news headlines? I'm not being funny. Oh, I just. Don't oh, I mean, because uh, it's still a point of stigma for a lot of people, I guess. What do you mean? It's a point of what stigma for the for the. Well, as it as in, generally speaking, um, <laughs> I don't know why I exhaled a laugh there. So, because this is not funny, um, just trying to get my thoughts into into one specific order. I don't feel like being gay or lesbian or bi or whatever is like boring to people yet mm. for some reason like it's boring to our generation yeah un- unless it's like a personal struggle but generally speaking people still feel like it has weight because it hasn't just like because in terms of generational understanding of it our generation understands it better than any others has ever in history so mm-hmm. we don't really care <laughs> mm. whereas there is a great large proportion of people who grew up not understanding it and so it was sort of I guess exotic in a way like yeah. ooh but- you, you don't just like people of the opposite sex <laughs> that's weird yeah, it's not get weird. you <laughs> but yeah but I I feel like you say our generation doesn't like care about it, but I mean there is an argument to be had that our generation are like as obsessed with it, or more more obsessed with it, because it's had this liberation than any other generation before. Like I mean I wasn't listening to BBC Radio Four when this newsreel came on. I'm sure this news wouldn't have been on any other station. Do you mean it was on Capital FM, which is for like what mid twenties probably? Yeah, it, that that sort of news gets on Capital and Kiss and yeah, maybe Heart, but probably not. Yeah, so I mean, it, why why then if it's well, that's a part. We I guess don't care. I guess that sort of ties into celebrity culture as well as just mm, yeah, gayness, gayness. Yeah. That's not a word. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like. It's not just the fact that somebody has a certain sexuality. It's also that somebody is related to a celebrity and therefore they are also sort of news. Mm. And something else I'd like to discuss from my, you know, mostly straight perspective is this pressure that mounts upon people that aren't straight to come out and reveal themselves. Um, I I think there's quite a big pressure on them to do so, and I don't think there should be. I think if they want to keep it to themselves, if they're not, you know, comfortable sharing it, then why should they be pushed to do so or made to feel like they have to mm. come out because it will help them? It is there's there's a there's a huge amount of commentary about this, like um, something like mm. in. 
is it Love Simon? Um, I haven't that, seen it, but go on. Yeah, there's, there, I think there's literally a scene in that, and there's like been viral TikToks and stuff about like a coming out as straight thing. You know that scene that doesn't exist, but how the coming out as gay thing is a is a thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, feeling pressure to openly identify as a certain thing that maybe differs from what is the accepted norm. And you can you can t- talk about this in terms of uh, gender as well. In terms of you know displaying your pronouns, yes. Like in terms of in terms of social media, my social media presence is next to nil, and I yeah. do not display my pronouns because I basically don't use social media ever. Mm. Um, but if I mean I don't see any problem with with me displaying my pronouns as he him because that's what that's that's what works for me. But um, in terms of in relation to other people who are much more prevalent in the LGBTQ plus society, like someone like Dodie mm. um, has talked about in the past, she does not display her pronouns, not because she's not in support of displaying pronouns, but as in like, that's personally something for her that she hasn't quite worked out yet. Mm-hmm. And there yeah. being a pressure from other people who are generally well-meaning who would who would yeah, feel safer, 100%. or not safer, but who would like it, like there to be that obvious support there, you know, not getting that. There is a reason for that, and yeah. you don't, and you shouldn't have to tell people why you're not doing something. Hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's that whole. I feel very strongly that. The right to, you know, we've. I feel like we've talked about this before, but the right to do something is, is also the right not to do something. Yes. Like, you, you shouldn't feel obliged to just because Instagram have put up a new, you know, function allowing for it. If, you know, it should, do it at your own pace sort of thing. Is, is what I'd say. I just got a, a very terrible um, comparison on my brain, is that um, Twitter introduced fleets that doesn't mean you should use them. It's they're just there. <laughs> I'm gonna chuckle and pretend I know what a fleet is. A fleet is basically Twitter's version of story. Oh right, yeah. Okay. And Got they it. introduced it like six months ago, <laughs> and they're sh- stupid and shit, and no one uses them, apart from the yeah. people who feel obliged to. <laughs> like Facebook stories. Yeah, you know yeah. that thing that no one uses. No. Absolutely. Stories exist on Snapchat and Instagram, and that is it. And even Mm -hmm. that, no. Well, I don't care, actually. No, I think... I think there's this kind of thing, especially when you're, like, pre-teen or sort of mid-teens, where you feel like you have to be following everyone and being followed by everyone. And then by the time you get to, well, it, well, anyway, I did. Jay, you're looking around because you obviously didn't. Um, but I, I definitely went through a sort of binge on following anyone that I made eye contact with that week. And now it's left me in a very horrible position where I can't even look at the friends I, you know, my friend's story, without getting through like 
you know, 50% of stories from people who, who I don't know. And I do do, I have to actively cleanse my Instagram and Snapchat every other week just to, like, get rid of the people I don't care about. But even then, they're still, I still don't want to get rid of them. But a bit of me still goes, oh, no, I still quite like them. Yeah, sort of thing. I mean, it's I, bad. I kind of, I do kind of understand that, except for the fact that I don't, because I didn't download Facebook until I was 16. Mm. And I didn't get Instagram until I was like 18. Didn't get a good phone until I was 19. Yeah. Didn't get Snapchat um, until three months ago. Yeah, I don't message you on Snapchat. I message you on Messenger. Yeah. Good it, old. It works well. I don't need <laughs> to see your face to talk to you. <laughs> no. But much like you listeners who we've just forgot about for the past 20 minutes don't need to see our faces to we've to just you. been talking again yeah <laughs> okay look should we do the podcast now yeah so i've introduced it about you know a year ago so now you do your bit should we introduce the my window. yeah you do the concept okay right well Seth's gonna gonna bugger off for a second <laughs> so the concept of the podcast is we work on an odd one out basis we have four picks each and they are from the realms of films tv if we're running out of things to talk about books plays if we're running out of books to talk about and music and we have three things from those categories that are connected and one thing that isn't and the other people or person in the call has to work out what it is and we also get points for revisiting or visiting for the first time the things that was suggested on the previous week now last week we had dan hall on Mm. and dan hall is dan hall so last week happened yeah, it it hap- it happened in a way that it started off slow and then it just ended up I lost track of it to be honest, um, towards the end. Not not like I lost interest, I was very engaged in it because we were having a heated debate about babies. Um Stolen whether, babies. Well, whether they were stolen, adopted openly adopted or um that, that some other phrases were thrown in there that we kind of invented stolen mainly Sto- it was yeah. mainly the fact that it was a stolen baby yeah so or adopted. just a claimed baby by by proxy claimed i would go with maybe um so yeah we had a whole discussion on that and then it just it just went nuts as it usually does yeah but it was fun it was great fun at madame he's always a always he's a good always laugh a good, he is a good laugh yeah um, so let's go through the things that Dan suggested and neither of us looked at. Yeah, do we have? Yeah, okay. Let's just. I'm no. Basically, from me, it's a, it's a it's a no. It's just a flat no. I mean, that's fair enough because we got Demon Slayer, the the movie, the anime movie based on the TV show. I think. I went nowhere near it. I went absolutely no. nowhere near it. Is that the one that came out this year or last year? Or yeah, it was, it was the highest grossing film of last year, I think. Yeah, I, I did see that a couple of cinemas were showing it and I sort of went, mm, I could watch that, but Dan didn't really paint it in much of a flattering light. I mean, I think he quite liked it, but no. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. We've also got... Dan doesn't listen, don't, don't apologise. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've, asked, I've asked him, has he listened to it once or twice? And he's just gone... 
God, no. Um, we've also got Tower of God, basically the anime um, comic sort of um, web comic cartoon story thing where everybody hates a specific person, I think called Rachel. Yeah, it was my mum's name, yeah. Yeah. Um, which neither of us read any of. No. I mean, Dan's been bugging me to read that for about a year, and I <laughs> flat out ignored him. Um, we have The Lighthouse. Yeah. Which Did would, you? I did not watch it, no. Ah, well. I still want to watch it, um, but I keep not getting around to it. I've had a busy week. Yeah. Fair enough. And we also have The Life of Pablo by Kanye West. Did you listen to that per chance? No. I actually really like the album and I think it's really good, but I didn't 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 watch it, no. <sighs> right. Okay. Well, we're gonna talk about all the things that you picked last week as well. Mm. Go which on. is the farewell. Mm. Which is the film about the Chinese family debating whether or not they tell their grandmother whether or not she had, that the fact that she's dying of cancer. Yes, precisely. Yeah. It's an it's an interesting concept that I did not watch. Um, mm-hmm. Mulan. You know Mulan, but yeah. no, didn't watch it. Pusher two with the stolen baby. <laughs> that was a stolen baby. That literally Fair was enough. a stolen baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no arguments there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no I didn't watch that although it does sound quite interesting to be honest yeah. and we've also got Silas Marner with the stolen baby <laughs> sure yeah it almost, do. it almost sounds a bit like um, Hobson's Choice now that now that I think about it that's a play isn't it I think so I think mm. it is similar in 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 themes about actually I don't know I haven't read Hobson's Choice or Silas Marner so I don't know and I... Silas Marner they've got an audiobook on BBC Sounds so give, give it a listen okay. maybe maybe you're not going to because you just yawned but that's fine <laughs> it's late it's like 9 o'clock it is a late one today um, and you Jay Pennells chose um, David Bowie um, specifically Hunky Dory, which I did listen to. I'm David Bowie. Hello, David Bowie. Hello, my name's David Bowie. It's Dan's awful impression of David Bowie. It was straight. It wasn't. It was just him whispering and sounding more. He, cap- he, he just. He just. He just approached his microphone and went. I'm David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. I mean that. That. I mean we did figure out why. His impression was so awful because he hadn't actually listened to much David Bowie or seen much David Bowie. He just listened to Flight of the Concord to yeah. David Bowie. So, I mean, that's where he got that from. Um, your other one, you had a C6 Steve thing. Sonic Soul Surfer. Yes, I didn't listen to that. I listened to the other one you chose, though. The other album. Headhunters. By Herbie Hancock. One. Yes, I think I did listen to that. Really? Yes, I did, yes. What did you think of it? It was it was background. I'll be honest. As yeah, in, not not point. as in it's background music. As in, I put it on in the background. Did you put it on whilst you were editing? Yes. yes yeah, I've done that yeah. before. You get half a point for that. Yeah, I'll just take that. I'll take the point for Hunky Dory. I'll take the point for. I don't, I don't need anything else. That'll Wait, did you did, did you listen to Hunky Dory? 
Oh no, I actually listened to Hungry Dory. Yeah. Oh shit, we I I didn't even ask you whether or not you'd listened to it. We just <laughs> talked about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good. Okay. Yeah, I really like Hunky Dory still. I haven't listened to it in about three months, but I still really like it. Mm. And Mean Streets by Martin Scorsese. No, I didn't. I didn't watch Mean Streets, although that's kind of on my radar now. Yeah, it's a really good film. I really, I really enjoyed it when I saw it at like midnight on BBC Two. I'm not. I like Scorsese. Okay, I like him fine. Um. I don't get the hype with all of his movies. It feels like when he does a movie, or every Scorsese movie is very highly acclaimed, like every single one. Wolf of um, Wall Street's fucking awful. Yeah, we we both have issues with Wolf of Wall Street. Um, and I, I mean, think our like, issues with Wolf of Wall Street are quite different as well. Yeah, mine mine's just it's too too long, and I'm I'm not that. I don't like any of the characters, and yours is you just don't like the. My 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 main issue is it seems to glorify a a vile human being, yeah, and and it Me doesn't and it doesn't lampoon him in any way. It just like it shows you this horrible horrible man, and like gives me no reason to empathise or invest anything in his story at all. But still tries to make you do that. Yeah. That's the issue, isn't it? It wants me to be invested in his story without giving me any reason to be invested in his story. Yeah. Yeah, that that I mean he's yes. clever. But that's literally the only reason. That's it. Agreed. Yeah. So I've got one point starting off this show at fifty minutes oh. and you've got no points. <laughs> yeah. Was it was a slow start today, isn't it? Oh, it's a very slow start. But Hey, it's been a bit of a slow week. Okay, this is one. This is like a background one. So put this on in the background and just sort of dip in and out when you want. Yeah, no, they're all background ones. Imagine if. No, do you think there are such things as like podcast cafes? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? What does that even mean? So, like you know, cafe music is all background music. Do you think they've got cafes where they just play podcasts in the background? I do not think that would work. Why not? Um, oh yeah, I mean, there's a social aspect to, to cafes, and the podcast probably get in the way of that. Maybe maybe there's a space for it. Um, I'll jot that down. Podcast cafes. Are we gonna open a podcast cafe, Seth? What about live? <laughs> what was that? Uh, I was just about to say, what about live podcasts? And I stopped myself because they're all podcasts are live. That, kind that's of. Also anyway. a thing. Yeah. Like people, just... people like go go and record a, a podcast in front of a live audience. That imagine if we did that, that'd be so fun. It wouldn't be big audience. No, but imagine if it was. Use your imagination, Jay. Okay. Yeah, that would be really cool. Thought so. Case closed. Should we, we get on that? with the rest of the podcast? Yeah, let's do that. So, um. <laughs> Let's list some more things. Um, Jay, what are your choices for this week, amigo? This is a shambles. Um, I, my first pick for this week is a TV show. Go on. Queen's Gambit. Hey, lovely stuff. Next one, plus. Justice. By Justin Bieber. 
Um, you surprise me. You really do. <laughs> do I surprise you now? I mean, I don't know what you're going to say about it yet, but oh. already. I mean, I think you can guess. I'm quite surprised that it's even on the list. But go on, next okay. one. The next on the list is Mostly Harmless <laughs> by Douglas Adams. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to um, turn my game down. Yeah, go for it. Is that a lorry outside yours as well? Uh, I think there's a motorbike. Ah. Um, mostly, is that the Mostly Harmless? Is that the... Is that third, fourth? Fifth. Fifth. That's the fifth in the trilogy. Brilliant. Um, okay, dokie. And your final pick, please. My final choice for this very, very week <laughs> is. This is a very, very week. I don't I know. I thought you were going to say a very weak podcast. I was going to go, alright, hold on. Hold your horses. Come on. No, this is just a very, very week. My last choice is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Oh, the book? Yeah. What else is it going to be? It's a TV show, I thought. Oh, well, that's entirely possible. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, right. But okay. I've, um, I've, I've made a promise to myself that I'm going to read the whole book before I watch the TV show. Yeah. If it was the TV show, I would have guessed your pick was something like things that you don't really like very much. Because, I, I mean, I don't know if you... I'm assuming that you're not big on justice, and I mean you like Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm just wondering if Mostly Harmless is is possibly the weakest in the five pronged trilogy, uh, but you do quite like Queen's Gambit, so that's what I was going for. But with, with the book, um, I'm not sure. I mean Queen's Gambit was a book, and Queen's Gambit um, was a book, but I haven't read the book. I did buy it uh, for my granddad though. Oh, has he read it? Uh, I don't think so. Bastard. Chase him up on it. I want to know what it's like. Uh, I I may do that. Okay. Um, but no, looking at your list at the moment, I'm not quite sure what it could be, really. Okay. Except American Gods and Douglas Neil Gaiman and Douglas Adams both like mythology stuff. But I mean, I mean, that's... yeah, they were they were they were pals, I think. Were they? Yeah, or I mean, um, Neil Gaiman wrote the um, the mostly true biography of like the Hitchhiker's Guide and Douglas Adams stuff. Um, mm. I can't remember what it was called, the book that he wrote, but that was one of the first books that Neil Gaiman was like paid to write. I think. Yeah. Not like it's. Uh, no, I don't know. It was sort of Black know. Orchid days was when he wrote that. Mm. Which is so pre Sandman, essentially. Even was he pre Sandman? What Neil Gaiman? What 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 was pre Sandman? I'm looking right now. I Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right, it, was, it was it was a lot. It was um, DC Comics, and a couple of non-fiction books, maybe. That's basically it. Because mm. I mean, Good Omens would. Good Omens was mid-Sandman. So. Yeah. Interesting. Well, anyway, good list. Looking forward to that. Um, shall I give you mine? Yeah, please. I mean, right, that, that, some... would, that, would, that would sort of be necessary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Correct. So, quite a few movies today. Uh, we've got Casino Royale. Ooh. Yeah. 
Shame. Okay. The Steve McQueen film. Yeah. Great Expectations, obviously. Charles Dickens. Okay. Well, this is the film. Oh, no, the book. Okay. And Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. Which I'm not sure if you've seen. Have you seen that yet? Yes. Good. That's good. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my list. I'm just going to write down my link quickly. Because <laughs> you've forgotten I had a... it. <laughs> yeah. I did just forget it when I was reading it out. I've, I've definitely got one. But it's quite wishy-washy, which is good for you because it means that you can kind of stumble upon it and I'll probably give it to you if you're quite vague about it. Um, so you, you're fine. Okay. Um, oh, oh dear. Oh, excuse me. Right then, Grandad. Who's this? Shall we do first? I Let's talk about Into the Spider-Verse for a little bit, I think. That'd be nice. It's bloody good, isn't it? It's really good, yeah. It's the best <laughs> Spider-Man film. Oh, okay. Hold hold up a bit. Hold up a second. What What um, do you mean? Yeah, no, you're correct. Just had to just had to process that. But no, I think you're correct. Spider-Man Two probably would be the only thing that kind of comes close. Which Spider? I take it we're talking about like original Spider-Man Two. Yeah, yeah, original Spider-Man Two. Original Spider-Man Two is quite good. I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I remember it being good. Um, yeah. The original Spider-Man is also very good. Yeah, it is. Uh, so the first two of those are, like, good. The third one is garbage. Yeah. Good, but kind of good time garbage. Sometimes. Um, yeah. Um, the, the Andrew Garfield ones are bearable, but... I wouldn't re-watch them. I'll be honest, I still haven't seen the second Amazing Spider-Man, but I, I, I don't really bother. want to. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just not going to, I think. Um, and the new, the Tom Holland ones, I think are easily on a par with the old ones. Yeah. But in a very different way, I feel like. You prefer Far From Home to Homecoming, don't you? I think. When you talked about Home, uh, Far From yeah. Home last time. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Homecoming Edge is it for me, actually. I think it's the other way around. But we're not talking about any of those. We're talking about Into the Spider-Verse. So Into Which the is Spider -verse. better than all of them. Oh, it's such a beautiful, gorgeous-looking film. It's so, um, yeah. Just animation just blows your mind. It's... A, I don't know why it's so revolutionary, because it's it's a comic book, obviously, Spider-Man, the comic book. Um... But it's it's animated in a way that it still looks like you're reading it from a page because it's got all of the onomatopoeia sort of pow bang what, what but they're so subtle in the background and like that the the animated characters have that grain to them that you get in the vintage comic books like the little dots yeah. on them it's just fantastic honestly um, so basically Spider Verse is a Spider Man multiverse story so you've got multiple Spider Mans from multiple universes and it's just absolutely fantastic. The soundtrack is brilliant. Um, you've got uh, oh, Daniel Pemberton does the score for it, but aside from that, you've got like a great mixtape going over the back as well. Um, oh, and it's yeah, I can't speak highly enough of it. Really, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. And you know, and if you do want a link to one of my other choices, um, can you think of 
anything that links to Into Spider-Verse, Jay, out of my other choices. I... Well, um... Initially, I don't know. Is it is Spider-Verse directly adapted from one of the previous comic books? Um, I've no idea, unfortunately. Yeah, I okay. Well, it's not that then. I sort of doubt it, but it might be. I, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I've Miles Morales is like a character that's appeared in previous. Like actual comic books, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. Did you... the, the story of the whole thing is actually really good as well. Yeah, so, like so, it's so, actually so... a good Spider-Man story. Yeah, and it's good because it, you know, super superhero origin stories are, let's face it, all pretty much the same. Um, but Spider-Verse acknowledges that and kind of plays off it really, really nicely. Yeah. There's so many good elements just all the way throughout Spider-Verse. And the the whole arc for all of the characters as well. Like, they all have an actual arc. I know. And it's Five actually different satisfying. Yeah. Oh, it's... Yeah, absolutely fantastic. But no, yeah, so the link I was thinking of is... Um, so, Miles Morales, uh, our main Spider-Man in Spider-Verse, um, goes down to the underground with his uncle um, and they do some graffiti together sort of towards the start of the film him and his uncle have a very strong bond which you know becomes sort of a bit tried and tested throughout the film um, when the uncle turns out I'm not going to spoil it <laughs> literally just spoiled it so look they have a very strong bond throughout the film um, so they go out and graffiti stuff and something they graffiti is so uh, Mars Morales is given a high school project which is to read Great Expectations and write an essay on Great Expectations um, Charles Dickens book and what he does is he does a graffiti about Great Expectations but it's just kind of a graffiti thing that says expectations sort of drawn around his figure but so why I, I found it kind of interesting how Great Expectations was something that like is on the American syllabus but then I, I thought about it we had like Steinbeck, Steinbeck on our syllabus didn't we I suppose yeah I mean Great Expectations could easily have been part of our syllabus as well I mean Shakespeare mm. is part of the American syllabus as well like Shakespeare is on en any English syllabus that exists yeah and, and Dickens was as famous as Shakespeare was in his own age hmm I just thought it was strange. I maybe maybe I'm just having problems with like the syllabus in general. And I don't want to get into it too much, but the the Miles Morales struggles because like what on earth has he got to say about the book Great Expectations, which is a book written by you know Charles Dickens, a white man. It's all about a white family growing up like upper middle well sort of climbing up the class hierarchy mm. like none of that's going to resonate with any any of his life probably I mean like there's the English stuff which everyone can get their teeth into but aside from that like it's not going to be very enjoyable is it surely I... I mean it's definitely not I mean from the perspective of Miles Morales I don't I don't see any parallels particularly no. with with his life and, and the lives of the characters in the book no 
Um, it's very... But maybe that's the point. I don't even know. Or maybe it's just like... I'd, I'd have to rewatch the film, honestly. I'd, I just thought it was, it was very, like, ill-fitted into the kind of life that Mars had led. I mean, like... And so, which is why he puts his own spin on it with the graffiti thing, I think. Because mm. that's the only way he can express how he feels about it in terms of his experiences, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I think the... I don't even know what I think. No, I've got no words. <laughs> I just think it's a funny one how... I don't know. I think the syllabus can sometimes be very missed. Even with our syllabus, I think. It's very strange. Because our, our syllabus was... Like, Shakespeare and... Then we also had Jekyll and Hyde. I think the other options that we could have studied on our syllabus were Great Expectations, um, Frankenstein, I want to say? Probably, yeah. yeah. Like, how how does Frankenstein appeal to a, to a modern audience? Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting and compelling story, for sure, but it's got no parallels to anything these days in that one. Yeah. I think maybe it needs a bit of a bit of a modern kick to it, maybe. That's just all it needs. Just read stuff that's relevant to you know, what the students can understand. Well, not even understand, but stuff that's relevant to what, to their lives in some way would be more beneficial, surely. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, giving students text that hit home more with them it might be a good idea because like we when we were in drama the the things that we were studying were nonsense yeah basically mother Ma courage and her children comes to mind mother courage is, is a load of old bollocks <laughs> um machinale is interesting but a, a bit bollocks yeah and again that that was a thing where it was um american wasn't it yeah, it's set in, like, to, Chicago or something. To the point where I suddenly didn't give a shit because it wasn't relevant. Yeah, I find I find Machinale an interesting, like, think piece sometimes, but other times I just find it a bit dull. Yeah. So, and and I, things like um, Wojciech as well. The, the, the other texts that, that we could have talked about in there... I think actually comparatively were also very dull. But you have still... We had Equus on there, didn't we? For potentially studying. Yeah. Equus is a much more modern text. But it is very strange. I, I just think like it's all well and good having texts that allow us to talk about so great expectations, what does that allow us to talk about? Like class hierarchy in the what, nineteenth century maybe? Yeah. And and you know, the Victorian era in general, the Industrial Revolution, like why don't we have texts that make us talk about relevant contemporary issues instead of stuff like this? Like that, that sort of provoke, you know, healthy, relevant conversations more than kind of archaic old shit. 
that people are going to lose interest in. Anyway, that's rant over. We do spend we do spend an awful lot of time talking about um, th- classics of old as opposed to things that appeal to to a current time, which is probably yeah. a, a bad thing, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. We learn about we learn like we learn about the racism of old, and the sexism of of old, and less which, about the racism and sexism of now. Yeah, exactly. Which is I mean, comparatively much more pressing. Yeah, I mean, I get how the old shapes are new and all that, but we don't, we didn't. I don't think we looked at the new at all, did we? Really? Not really. I mean, it's so complicated that I guess you couldn't get into it with a bunch of fifteen, sixteen-year-olds. Maybe. But you could at least. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try, does it? Yeah, and then we. Because I remember having some. Because we did that. We at least tried to do that in philosophy at GCSE. We were having conversations about, you know, what modern Islam and modern Christianity mean these days and what they can still teach us Mm. that is valuable. Um, And I, I I do always love the fact that well, I don't love it, but it's. I think it's quite fun how sometimes Mr. Richardson would turn to Yusuf in class. He's the only actual Muslim, and Yusuf would occasionally mention how one of the verses that were being taught comes from a part of um, the Quran, or well, one of like the chapters of the Quran that is technically uh, a lot of old bollocks. Because there's different there's different levels of validity in yeah. in like chapters in the Quran, and Yusuf was a, obviously as a practicing Muslim a lot more keyed up on all that stuff. Yeah. So occasionally he would mention it, um, well, but I think generally speaking he kept it to himself. <laughs> like, we're just gonna make life a lot more difficult for everyone here. If I tell if I tell you it's probably not a good idea to use this quote in your argument even though it's been supplied to us by the curriculum, technically speaking, in terms of Islam, it's wrong. Yeah. That's why That's why I enjoy philosophy, because Mr. Richardson, our teacher, used to know his pupils and know their comfortability level and call upon them when we were talking about issues that were relevant to particular students. So I remember he used to like call upon... Uh, people who had like cohabiting parents and then she'd talk to the class about it and we'd talk openly about it and, and we had like a gay people and Miss Richardson would talk to you know encourage him to well not encu- not in like a pressing way but he knew the comfortability levels of the students so he'd yeah. say if you want to you know you've got anything to add we'd it, it like it we had those important relevant modern conversations which yeah. we didn't have in any other lessons not particularly no I think Mr Richardson is an exemplary teacher in that he knows he knew the class better probably far better than I've seen any other teacher like understand the mm. classroom in which he has stood yeah um and a, and a great he's very 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 good at using nuance as a as a philosophy teacher as well mm what were we talking about? <laughs> Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, we talked about Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, but that, was, was, a, that to... was a hell of a divergence. 
Yeah, I've said all I need to say about Spider-Verse, so I mean, we, we can move on to one of yours now, if you're happy. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess we can. I <laughs> uh, like how the podcast isn't the main event at this point. No. Our, our it, other chaps are, we just come I, back to it. I'm happy to end here and, like, go to bed, if that's alright <laughs> with you. Brilliant. Um, uh, okay, well, let, let's see if we can pick up the pace, but if we don't, then I don't really care. Let's go for... Mostly harmless, please, because I can't quite remember what happens in it. Well, I um, I, t- <laughs> I started reading this when I was like fifteen, and I didn't finish it, and it's not even that long. <laughs> like Douglas Adams does not write long books, but mm. somehow, like, this was like right around the stage in my life where I got bored of reading. No, which... that's the sad stage to yeah. be at. Um, so it's, it's bad because like I'm pretty sure that the more you read the more you will enjoy reading and yet like when I was reading this book I didn't carry on reading it um, so I got about a third of the way through so Arthur meets his daughter from I think a parallel universe Zaphod I don't even remember what happened to Zaphod, or if he if he was even in the story yet, because we're in a we somehow moved to a parallel universe I think, where um, instead of Trillian just leaving and leaving her bag with her, not not as in not taking her bag, um, when Zaphod invites her to her to his spaceship, she goes back to get the bag, and then uh, he just leaves without her. So she becomes a very, very high-profile reporter. <laughs> right. And then and then somewhere along the line has a baby. Maybe with Arthur? I don't know. I think so. And the daughter is a teenager at this point. And the Earth still gets destroyed. But somehow they all survive. And I can't... I think it's the same Arthur from from all the previous books... And I don't know how we've gotten to this point. Oh, it's because the Earth got um, remade because it's in a um, repeating solar system. Because oh. cause the reason in the, in the fourth book, Arthur goes back to Earth and discovers that Earth is back and everything is back to the way it was. Yeah, and it's because it's in a something system, and I can't remember what the word is, but yeah, the Vogons were all p- pissed off about the fact that they destroyed the Earth and then it came back. Yeah, I genuinely can't remember. I know Ford gets into some trouble with Vogons inhabiting the the HQ of the Hitchhiker's Guide. I can't remember. It's so long ago. Hmm. But yeah, I stopped halfway through. Um, and I did listen to the to the radio series adaptation that they did. And I managed to get all the way through that. I don't know what else to say about it. The title, Mostly yeah. Harmless, obviously comes from <coughs> Ford's entry into Earth in the Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> Oh, no, there's a plot point at the start of the book where um, Ford looks at his Hitchhiker's Guide and sees that his 
full article about Earth has been put in there, and it's not just mostly harmless anymore. <laughs> Even though that was that that was the plot point for, or the, not a plot point. That was a a fun little detail. Yeah. From a lot of the books. I I still think the original. I mean, you, they call it a trilogy in five parts, but I still like the trilogy, like the original three. Well, they're not even the original three; just the first three. I think are just kind of on a higher tier, tier than the last couple. Yeah, I think. I think I think the order goes one, three, two, four, five. Yeah, if not one, two, three, four, five is the order, but yeah, one of those two. I don't know if I like the second one more. I know it does have the restaurant at the end of the universe in it, but number three has cricket, and the whole yeah, the cricket everything was... about that is brilliant. But number two has Seyfod looking into that um, void of uh, um, thingy-ma-bob. He, yeah, he... Where he has to confront his own ego, and somehow it doesn't... It's literally <laughs> powered by a cupcake, and he comes out... And like it, it tells you just how important you are in a grand scale of the universe, <laughs> and yeah. for every single person, it's an infinitesimal speck on an infinitesimal speck on an infinitesimal speck, <laughs> and a field of nothing. And Zayford comes out and is like, "No, it, the machine just told me I'm the most important person in the universe ever." <laughs> like what? Oh, I love it. Yeah, got I do love the radio series as well. In the in the second series of the radio series, where he gets taken to it. Also, I love the fact that in the radio series it follows a completely different storyline. And, like, both of them are... They're all written by Douglas Adams, but he just purposefully wrote a different story. And he wrote it at the same time, and he went, yeah, I'm just going to do two storylines, and we're just going to see how it happens. And then he didn't do any more of the radio series. Mm. And so they just had to... They, they retconned it in, like, the early 2000s after he passed away. Because they all got, I think they all got busy and famous in in their own ways, <laughs> so they just didn't do any more. And he was also like struggling with the film rights for the best part of twenty five years. Yeah, blimey. Yeah. What a film. <laughs> not my cup of tea. No, it's not very good. Um, okay. Well, that's mostly harmless, and that was mostly harmless, I suppose. Um. I'm going to stick with you for a bit, and let's Who else get... are you going to talk to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's let's get Justice Bieber out of the way, shall we? Oh, so why 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 is this on your list? What is this is his most recent one? Is it? Yeah. As in like a, a month ago, maybe. Yeah, it's like a couple of months ago. All right. So you you listened to it in and... full. At least you did. I'm so, I'm assuming you did that in, because you were tired of slagging it off without having listened to it or something. Yeah, I, I went into yeah. it and went, I really would like it if Justin Bieber surprised me in the way that Taylor Swift did a long time yeah. ago. And I went, oh, this is actually good. Uh, and so I put this album on and I sat through it and it is at best a four out of ten album. Hmm. I'd say that's probably still been quite. I mean, I haven't listened to it for the reason that I I, I think I've I've heard maybe like the title track and a couple big tracks on it. And I, the, when the big tracks are bad, you don't you don't go to the album. 
No, that that is that is very true. But um, there 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 are a couple of tracks on here that is like good. I feel like the problem I have with it, I do I do sort of like the the track with Chance the Rapper, Holy. Right. But Chance has a couple of bars in there. Oh, there's a Joe Pesci bar. Oh my god. What? So not not the actual Joe Pesci. Yeah, no not he's not in it, but like right, Chance okay. the Rapper does a bar about Joe Pesci and it's literally the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life and I wanted him he... to stop. Why does he do a bar about Joe Pesci? What? I'm gonna look up the lyrics on Genius right now. Because right, this you... this is important to me. But yeah. um it's the single worst thing I've ever heard. It's, it's yeah. Um, it's quite important to me now as well. I'm very intrigued to know what, why they wrote him into the song. Really. I can't. <laughs> is it an attempted pun? Is, is, yeah, is yeah. It's, it's like a pun yeah. using using Joe Pesci in like the in like the punchline. See, that, that's what I found. The weekend has been one of the only artists that can pull off cheesy puns. I think in their music. I like yeah, but I mean, I mean, uh, the weekend does it in such a deadpan way. <laughs> like you, pr you're pretty sure he's not trying to be funny. Yeah. So, oh my god. You found that. I'm a believer. My heart is fleshy. Life is short. With a temper like Joe Pesci. Blimey. Is that I'm a believer or I'm a Bieber? I'm a believer. Alright, thank goodness. Because cause Chance is, of course, oh, rapping about God, because the only thing he does these days is rap about either God or the fact that he really loves his wife. <laughs> See, the big day. The, like, I think it sounds it, like the... I think it's like a 2018 like... album that got roundly panned by everyone who listened to it. And there's a bar, ah, oh, I, I love this so much about um, Charles the Rapper, is the fact that there's... He's on the start of... Um, Life of Pablo with an actually quite good verse um, and he went it's like I made Sunday candy I'm never going to hell I met Kanye West I'm never going to fail and then like the year after he uh, the year after that album comes out he releases the worst album everyone has ever heard that's brilliant from the man who like was the only person ever to get like a Grammy from a mixtape it then goes Whoa. on like five years later to make absolute garbage. Oh mate, dear oh dear. Did did I, you get did you get through the whole album then? I genuinely did listen to the whole of Justice, and it okay. does not improve most of the way through. It's very very samey. the The track with Daniel Caesar is kind of okay. Um, I mean, some of the hooks. It's not like they're aggressively bad or cheesy but there's so there's so little development and he also uses um samples of martin luther king talking yes we you mentioned this when you first listened to it i think yeah it's so like gratuitously unnecessary and it doesn't fit and i hate it and the album the album is called justice and i w would love to think that there is a theme of that throughout, but there isn't. It's just not there. 
Except, except for the MLK, I'm guessing, which yeah. kind of tries to do something. It's literally like he samples it in the first song. He samples it like in the middle of the album as well, and they're oh, they're so fucking awful. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, that's that out of the way. I'm still no, I no idea, no traction on what your link could be at the moment. Um, which is fun. No, no idea. Um, okay. Do you want to take one of mine? Yeah, let's talk about shame because I don't think I've heard of. I've heard of this, but I don't know about it, really. Yeah, okay, so Shame came out in 2011, I think, somewhere around there. Don't quote me on that, that might be wrong. Um, but directed by Steve McQueen, starring Michael Fassbender as kind of the leading character. And he is a, a sex addict, basically. He cannot get enough sex. It's... Uh, what's that word when you when you're uh, nymphomaniac? nymphomaniac. Yeah, yeah, thank you. He's he's very much one of those. Um, so he takes regular wank breaks at work. Um, he eyes up girls on the tube and and kind of he, it, it's all consensual by the way. Doesn't he's not like a rapist, but he has a lot of a lot of sex. It's a compulsion for him. Um, so the opening scene is him on the tube and he eyes up a girl and goes home with her and has sex with her. Um, and that escalated quickly. I, yeah, I don't know how. He, I mean, I suppose he's a he's a fairly good looking chap, but I mean, I mean, even still, yeah, that's not he, that's not realistic, yeah. surely. No, maybe not. I I don't. Anyway, look, let's not get hung up on that. So basically, um, he tries to get into a relationship um, after heavily ruling them out. Um, and you know what? He tries to have sex with someone who he's trying to be romantically involved with, and he can't get it up. He can't get it up. That's interesting. It's a real bummer. You really feel for the guy, I'll be honest, because like this was kind of his way out, surely, of you know, or, or at least you know, for the risk side of having a lot of sex with a lot of different people. This would be a kind of stable relationship that he could build on. They could maybe work on this thing together because that would probably make it a bit easier. But no, it, he can't have sex with the person that he quite likes. Um, so after this tiny glimmer of hope that the film gives you, like, oh, this character can improve on themselves, it can get better, it takes it away from you. And then it ends the film with Michael Fassbender back sat on the on the tube um, iron up a girl and right at the end you're not sure if he's we talked about character arcs earlier and at the end the film cuts before you can make out whether he's going to go in for it and try chatter up or whether he's evolved and is sort of on the path to kind of reformation a bit you, you don't know because it, it cuts out before it, it makes that decision for you. So you don't know if this character has an arc. Um, he might just end up as he started. Um, it's a good film, though. Check it out. Mm, that sounds really good. I Yeah, that, that talk about um, does he have an arc or does he not sounds very much like Nightcrawler, except Nightcrawler is a lot less um, open-ended about it in that it ends the film and you've gone, oh, 
The only person who has changed during the entire duration of this film is me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's no glimmer of hope. There's no, like, chance of improvement in Nightcrawler for him. Whereas in, in Shame, there there is. Well, I th- the thing with Nightcrawler is, he d- why would he want to change? He gets what he wants. Mm-hmm. He does exactly the thing you pretty you're pretty sure he shouldn't do, and then he he wins. <laughs> yeah. The, maybe that's the difference because obviously with this character, the, I mean that's a film title, shame. Yeah. You know it, he's totally aware that you know this is you know he yeah he's ashamed of of the fact that he has to have sex and go to all these brothels and hire prostitutes all the time. Um, in order to literally just, you know, live as part of a routine. He hates that he has to do that. Um, whereas a Nightcrawler, he just does it. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah, check it. It's also got Karen Mulligan in as, as his sister, and their dynamic is super weird. But they're very touchy, touchy-feely, feely, kind of walk around naked in their apartment together. And Interesting. You're not sure if it would be weird... Um, so like she catches him masturbating at one point and like laughs it off and I'm not sure if maybe it's just weird because of what we know about Michael Fassbender's character maybe it wouldn't be weird I mean it it was still weird it fell on but maybe we're just super cautious and aware of their relationship together because you you kind of think oh if he's a nymph though maybe he'll you know he's also a bit incest Um, so I mean, yeah. I guess those two don't really correlate, surely. Not necessarily, no. Um, but I can understand why that would be strange. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't really help me understand your link anymore. That's okay. It probably will do as as time goes on. Hmm. Should we talk about Casino Royale? Okay, yeah. Is this, your, is this the best bond for you? Or was... I was having a conversation about this the other day, and I went, Casino Royale is the best Bond film, but Skyfall, I feel like, is a... I I always like it more as a film. But in terms of the Bondness of Bond, Casino Royale tops it easily. Uh, develop a bit more on that. How, how is... Casino Royale more sort of like the archetype for for a Bond film, and and how does it like fit within that, the the Bond structure that we know? How does it how does it do that so well? Um, I feel like because I one of the main reasons I think it it, it is is not because of Casino Royale necessarily, but because of Skyfall. Because although Skyfall has a villain, mm. there isn't really a a Bond girl. Which is a bit of an outdated no. thing as it is anyway. Yeah. Um, so that it doesn't really have that feature, and it focuses so heavily on Bond as a human, and like going into his history as a as a person, and also his future, in terms of his relationship with M. Hmm. And his relationship with his home as well. Even though it does refer back to the canon of Bond, especially in terms of the Astin and, and stuff like that, 
it doesn't feel like a Bond film. Even though mm. it's a really good film and a really well-made film, it doesn't feel like it fits in a in the canon of Bond. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with that. Although, I mean, Casino Royale also doesn't really have a Bond girl. I mean, it's got Eva Green, who plays Vesper. Um, and she isn't a Bond girl because Bond then gets into a relationship with her. So in Casino Royale, you really do see the human bit of Bond. Because So this is Daniel Craig's first outing as, as 007. And he comes onto the screens and he is brutal, right? He mm. is like suddenly super, he's super gritty, a lot more um, sort of violent and, and aggressive and mechanical in, in, you know, his job. So assassinating people or taking people out and stuff like that. He's a very different Bond. Um, and then he meets Vesper. Um and kind of falls in love with her and then that's his and then that's almost his way out again isn't it Vesper's mm. his way out of the 007 bit because he, he I think he actually hands in his resignation um, and moves to Venice with Vesper um, and Bond has never done that before um because Bond girls have been one night stand, you know, married woman who he's then chucked, gone on to the next, just used them to get what he wants. But not with Vesper. Like, she has, like, stuck around for a bit and, like, he is vulnerable for once. And it's so strange to see him vulnerable because we've never seen Bond vulnerable before. And then you think, okay, this is it, you know, that, that we're seeing the human side of Bond, like you say. And then she screws him over and um, he reverts back to the machine he's mm. very right at the end and like so spoilers so when Vesper dies um, he says the thing's done the bitch is dead like he's straight back into that you know his guard is back up he's got the barriers you're not getting through to him anymore you know so it but I still think there's like a chance of redemption at the end for him. I think yeah. because I mean the ice has been broken, so surely you think at the end you think surely this could be the start of seeing a softer bond. And I think you sort of do with Skyfall and Spectre. Um, Skyfall, I think he follow he follows a very different arc to anything that happened in the previous two. And Spectre just doesn't feel like it has a lot of weight to it. No, Spectre is not a good Bond film, but Spectre he Spectre feels like it. It wants to to take the Daniel Craig Bond and put him in the canon of Bond in a way that none of the previous ones did. Even though Quantum of Solace also feels like it wants to do that, but is bad at doing it. Mm. Spectre feels like it. It understands how it could, how it should do that, but it can't quite get there, which almost makes it a little bit worse than Quantum of Solace, because <laughs> Quantum of Solace is just straight up a bad film. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Spectre feels like there, there's so much good stuff there, 
and you can tell that they understand that the good stuff was there, but they just can't get their claws into it as as well as previous incarnations of Daniel Craig's Bond could. Yeah. And it's actually a bit more disappointing. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit gutting at that point. It's to yeah. see it almost... To, well, I think it was meant to... That was meant to be his last outing, wasn't it? Which is why it feels a bit weird towards the end. Yeah, because it... it oh, it's... It, oh, I think it really annoys... It, the more I think about Spectre, the more it annoys me. Because it could have been really good. And it yeah. isn't. Yeah. It's just sort of fine. It's because they wanted to get... Because they, they felt like they had enough of a grasp of him as a Bond... The, the the best thing that they could do for him was give him a Blofeld and it ah it doesn't work it doesn't work no but yeah I understand what you're saying about Casino Royale um yeah I just, it's so yeah I guess it's frustrating in a good way Casino Royale because you go like ah oh, Human growth, incredible! Yeah. Oh no, uh, no. Oh, I, th- I, th- I think Bond having any sort of character arc is new to Daniel Craig, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. I mean, there's. I think I feel like that there is occasional glimpses of it in like Sean Connery, and they tried it with George Lazenby. Like Her Majesty's Secret Service yeah. is a very similar story to Casino Royale. Um, I mean, Roger Moore, I don't think they even attempted it. No. Um, then Pierce Brosnan wasn't the right type of Bond for that to work. There's, like, elements of it there, but it doesn't quite get there. And Roger Daltrey. Is that his name? Timothy Dalton, is it? Timothy Dalton, that's it. Roger Daltrey's someone else entirely. I don't know. Um, but Timothy, yeah, go on. Timothy Dalton is sort of a bit of a. I always forget that he played Bond. Yeah, he's not. He's the least Bond out of all of them, I think. Probably. Apart from George Lazenby. Oh yeah. Who was only in one, but like yeah. the the iconic Bonds in my mind, it goes like Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig in a completely different way, and then yeah. the other two. Same here. Absolutely, I think. Yeah. I want to rewatch them all. Actually, I think that'd be fun. I, I feel like it could be fun, but I mean, considering how. How, li- how retroactively liberal a t- approach I take to media now, I feel like like the first like forty years of Bond I would find very very annoying. Because you go like, oh, why are you treating women that way? No, oh. So yeah. disappointing. Yeah. At least Daniel Craig's Bond. Yeah. He, I mean, I can't think of any like Bond girls. Really. I mean, he he still has woman, but oh, it's a. It's, it's well, I mean, there's there's like Bond. There's there's a there's a Bond girl type arc inspector that doesn't really work. Mm. And and he feels and feels oddly him. regressive considering the previous films. Yeah. Like Vesper is a human. Um, who who Bond forms an attraction to? Yeah, Skyfall is 
sort of nothing. Um, and Quantum of Solace there is, and then she dies, and we don't care. Yeah. Was this, uh, who played, uh, um, is it Gemma Arterton? No, I don't know, that's not ringing any bells. In what, Spectre? No, in, um, in Quantum of Solace. Oh, I've got no idea, I haven't seen She's, that. Um, Ginger, I think. Um, I would, for some reason, I'm, I'm either thinking Gemma Arterton or Jessica Chastain. I was just about to suggest Jessica Chastain, but I, I, couldn't. I don't think so. I can't remember. Anyway, it's a bad film. Yeah. And I feel bad for the people in it because <laughs> every single one of them can do better and have done a lot better. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, are you, do you want to take a stab yet, or are you still in the dark as, as I am? Well, I I understand your link, but I'm not sure what the odd one out is yet. Because the link is, like, people who have... who look like they're going to go on redemption arcs, and then sort of it peters out and dies in some way, shape, or form. So Shame and Casino Royale are the okay, examples so, of that so far. Do you want to see if Great Expectations conforms from what I remember of it because I've seen the 1950s film I don't know how that how his arc plays out mm. I guess um, you could argue that that applies to um, the the eternal bride I can't remember her name yeah Miss Havisham yeah yes thank you um because she sort of never gets any anything. No. It's a, it's a, her, her, her journey throughout the story is incredibly sad. I don't feel like he... I feel like he does grow a little bit, but not... But it's such a prolonged like period of time that it would be hard not to. <laughs> it's about... Yeah, it's like... By the end, it's 20 years, I think. Yeah. Because he starts off as like a six-year-old or something, doesn't he? Yeah. And he go and he goes on a on a little journey with his uncle or something. Yeah. Is it his uncle? Um. Yes. Mm. Is his uncle? Yeah. The, is his uncle is the this... criminal? No, that's his um, benefactor. Spoilers. His uncle is Joe, who's married to his sister, so it's kind of like a. But he calls him Uncle Joe. You know, I don't even know what relation that is. What is that? Stepdad. No, he married to his sister. Oh, brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law, but yeah, uncle. Uncle Joe. Yeah, so great expectations. I mean, as you say, you got Pip, who begins the story as like an, an eight-year-old living, you know, with his uncle Joe and his aunt, whatever. And he finds a criminal in the marshes. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that, like the plot side of it too much. I'm going to say, though, Pip has an interesting journey um, kind of character arc wise he starts off from humble beginnings and then as said at the end of part one he is given great expectations so he's suddenly received a big amount of money from an anonymous benefactor and with that come you know expectations that he's you know, destined for something brilliant 
Um, and he thinks that the benefactor is Miss Havisham, who is this old um, lady who... Well, she's, not, she's actually not an old lady. Um, she's about 30 years old. Um, and she lives in her wedding dress because she was stood up at the altar and all the clocks in her house are stopped to the hour when she was stood up. It's all very, you know, theatrical. Mm. And so she sits in her wedding dress and looks out a window and her, her heart is turned to ice and she has raised a, a adopted daughter, Estella, um, to be um, emotionless and unfeeling and cold so that she can't be hurt like she was. And more so, so that she can hurt men, basically. She's, like, created this thing that she can unleash onto mankind to break everyone's heart. And Pip fucking falls for it, obviously. So he thinks that Miss Havisham is, is his benefactor and that he that she has destined Estella for him. Um, so he gets led on for, for parts one and two of the book. And then part two, his real benefactor is revealed as that criminal guy he met on the moors when he was about eight. Um and that crushes his dreams of ever being with Estella, and he's so in love with Estella, um, but he, he has to put those dreams aside, and he's no longer under the misapprehension that, you know, she's meant for him, and he's no longer misguided as to, oh, but she's different with me, you know, I can I can break down that ice. Like, it seems like he's, he's developed, he's no longer, you know, being led on by her. And then right at the end of the book, right at the end, he bumps into her again when he's about 30, and and <laughs> so it's narrated in first person so it's all from Pitt's perspective and the last line is um, something like and I saw the shadow of no leaving or no I saw the shadow of no parting from her so at the end of the book he's sort of right back where he started but in a really subtle way he's sort of saying I never want to leave her now because I've just bumped into her again and now I, I, I kind of feel like she's changed so I'm going to kind of be led on by her again so you don't really know if he's learned his lesson or not you really don't but it's a really powerful ending i quite enjoyed the book to be fair yeah i i i've always um been intrigued by great expectations partially because dan hall who was on last week hates it with a passion does he did yeah, he study it i think so i think he did oh. it at Matravers. And uh, didn't, didn't get on with it very well. That's a long book to study. Yeah, definitely. I. That is very interesting. So obviously, um, the odd one out in here is Into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because in Into the Spider Verse, they have actual arcs that complete themselves, rather than arcs that sort of loop back on themselves in a slightly saddening way. Yeah, precisely. That is it. Got it. Three points to you. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I've always been meaning to like get like dig my teeth into Great Expectations, but I keep never getting around to it. Also, because I go, it's a friggin' long book. Yeah, I'm glad they divided it into parts because it meant I could like do other stuff like I, I did part one read a sandman read a short story did part two did the same like i couldn't have done it otherwise yeah american gods is divided into parts as well actually 
Let's talk about American Gods. How many parts is the to American Gods? Three? Or... I think it's probably three. I can't remember because I haven't finished it yet. I got into part two and then I kind of uh, got busy with uni. Yeah. So, so it sort of fell to the wayside a little bit. I'm going to stop. I'm going to pick it up again, but I... Yeah, I did just put it down and just not pick it up again. But the bits that I've read so far are really good. The writing of it is is very intricate. Like you, you really do feel like um, in it, Neil Gaiman has a has a very very clear understanding of of how this this thing is going to sprawl out. Even though you... it's it's so obviously just a very big sprawling mess. And I cannot possibly imagine what the first draft of that thing would have looked like. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think he actually knows where it's going, or he's just kind of bluffing really well? I feel like, I feel like when you go to read the book, you feel like there's there's sort of an understanding of how this of how this is going to go, and it will sideswipe you from time to time in interesting and fun ways. <clears throat> but you kind of get the idea that he's he he knows vaguely what's going on at least at all times, if not actually knows what's going on. Um, hmm. Which is not something I can relate to with writing a story. <laughs> but he's he's really good, and the characters are all very. Um, that they're, they're all layered, like if you're spending if you're spending more than a couple of pages with a character. <laughs> they have definite layers to them, and it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I will just say that's something you don't really get with a series. I mean, Shadow, he's he's kind of one-dimensional, to be fair, in the series. Is he? Oh. Yeah. Everyone else is cool, don't get me wrong. All, all the gods and all that, that's fun. Um, his girlfriend is layered, but he isn't really, hmm. for me anyway. But go on. Okay. Um... <clears throat> yeah, it is a big sprawling mess and I can't wait to get back into it and uncover the rest of the sprawling mess. Um I mean the story is very compelling and it is it does tackle a lot of things and it will occasionally move from the shadows storyline to the history of America <laughs> in, in sort of a mythological esque way. And also moments that are happening across the world as well. So there's um, moments with a genie, I think. I think it is a genie in New York. Yeah. That's a very fun moment. Yeah. That's that's really cool. And right at the start of the book, is in like the fourth chapter or something, there's a guy having sex um, with a with a prostitute. Um, in a, in like a motel thing, and she just she gets on top and tells him to close his eyes, and then you're you're nodding your head and smiling. So <laughs> that's yeah, I think I know what's coming on. That's an interesting where where her where her body sort of slips around his, and she sort of just engulfs him via. Her uterus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she swallows him with her vagina. Yeah, that's exactly what she does. 
brilliant. Just the the mind of Neil Gaiman. That's, I, I know. I'd love to have a quick tour. To be I, I mean, I suppose I'll, that's I'll what pass. American Gods. American Gods feels like that, in a way. Sometimes it does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's. Have you read well, the book or have you just seen the seen the show? Just seen the first two series and then stopped on series three. Oh, okay. So neither of us have actually finished it, I suppose. No. Um, but. I mean, when you revisit it, are you going to take it from where you left off or take it from the start? I'll take it from where I left off, because the start is about 200 pages away. Do you remember where you left off? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, just about. I think I, I got to, like, chapter three of part two. Okay, fair enough. Um, I think I know what your link is, but I'll just double-check with Queen's Gambit. So, did you finish it? Nope. <laughs> 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 well then, um, yeah. So, uh, Justice surprisingly is the odd one out because you did finish it, um, yeah. and your link is shit. You didn't finish. Yeah. Although I do, I do. I didn't not finish them because I disliked them. Yeah. Because it's entirely possible to like yeah. not finish a thing because you think it's awful. Yeah. But that's not what happened here in any of these cases. Yeah. I yeah, Queen's Gambit is it, it is a very good show, and I do like. And we both like a bit of chess. Oh yeah, how far did you get into Queen's Gambit though? How like where, where were you? Up I to? think I finished episode five. Okay. So, uh, I mean, people have already seen it, and if you haven't, spoilers for like episode four or yeah. whatever when her mum dies. Yeah. And that um, sort of yeah. hits you. That sort of hits you like a truck. You just sort of walk into the room and you go. Oh, mum's dead. Fuck. Oh. Yeah. Right, I better, but, I better make a phone call. That was one of the best dynamics in the show, unfortunately. The, the daughter-mother, well, adopted daughter-mother dynamic that they had going on was, was just so compelling, yeah. I think. It was, it was... They're both really interesting people. Yeah. And just the way that they they gel in the way that they need to, but they don't gel in so many ways. Yeah, it's funny because chess kind of brings them together, and it's quite sweet because you see the mother finally taking an interest in Beth's life, which she kind of hadn't done before the chess thing came up. Um, yeah. So she she starts taking an interest and trying to learn. Uh, like the rules of chess so that she can like help Beth and follow along with her matches and it's all really sweet and then you think oh hold on is she just doing this because she wants to make a star out of Beth or is she doing it because she's genuinely interested in Beth's life so, and I don't think you really I, I don't think you I, I know which one that was really I, I my my opinion is sort of like before chess came along they were fucking strapped for cash yeah, really badly, and then Beth is like the best chess player in the world almost, for her age. I'm mm. like, oh, we can make money. We need to make money. <laughs> yeah, it was like, otherwise, how else are we going to make money? Working a real job? I can't. I'm sick all the time, and you're 14. Is I think just that fact that they that the mother depends on the chess um, prizes for for money. 
just adds such an interesting dimension to their relationship because it almost feels like a business transaction at points. It, it feels quite cold. It does a little bit, yeah. Um, and I think just like they're they're both completely single-minded about different things in such a complementary way to each other. Beth is a very very strange woman. Well, she's not very very strange. That's that's not a very nice thing to say. But she's hard to like at points. Yeah. She's hard to understand, I think. And that's not like that's not in any way like a, a discredit to the writing or the acting in it, but it's just like it literally is her character. <laughs> like it's so hard to get inside her head and even in the points in yeah. the film when we're getting inside her head, you just go <laughs> how how is this what your head looks like? Yeah. I mean, we only really see her through the decisions that she makes throughout the film. And she makes... <laughs> I'm fucking fly just flew to my face. I'm so rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she just makes um, the, the, the really strange choices throughout the film. Un- un- well, not st- unpredictable from an audience perspective. She's very unpredictable. Um, which make Did you get up to the scene where she's doing speed chess? Um, I I don't know. M- maybe not. I got I think the episode I got back to was where she went home and is like practicing chess with the guy she whooped in like the second episode. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> she sort of just about got him in the second do, episode. Do you know, I was just watching Anya Taylor-Joy and um, Emma with my sister in, inside, and we talked about the Queen's Gambit, and she said how, you know that... The, the guy who played Dudley in Harry Potter, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. So she said, um, people have said how that's two people kissing, one with um, eyes the furthest apart, and the other with eyes the closest together, kissing on screen. I was like, oh yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> she she's got such a Tim Burton esque look about her, doesn't she? And your Taylor Joy. Yeah. Sort of that diamond shaped face and the it's... big far apart eyes. Mm. She's in the new um, Edgar Wright film, I think, as well. Oh, she is. She. I'm very I'm excited. I'm so looking forward to that. That. I know it's a horror film, and I don't like horror films, but I'm gonna go watch it anyway. Oh yeah. No, that'll be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's, we've been going for a long time. I don't know that I've got anything else to say about Queen's Gambit because I haven't finished it yet. But we could talk about more next week because I probably will have finished it by then. Oh, cool. Because yeah. I want right, to... I now want to watch it. Yeah, do watch it. I also want to get better at chess, but it takes too much effort to get better at chess. What what is the average chess player though? I mean, is the average kind of standard chess player is that me or you, or is that someone who's read a little bit on it or learnt some strategies or where? I feel like in terms of like Elo, it's probably somewhere about eleven hundred. I'm I'm kind of guessing, and I'm about okay. nine hundred, and you're about six seventy or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
So okay. both got a lot of learning to do. And I've known that I've known the game for like fifteen years, and I'm still very mediocre. But how much of it is learning it? This is the thing. Like you can learn strategies and stuff, but or or you could just do them accidentally because that's the thing you want to do at that point. I feel like um, everyone has their own like brick wall of learning where they have to start reading. (laughs) And I think my brick wall sort of hits around like the 9.30 mark. And then I actually need to go pick up a book and start learning. Mm. And yeah, because there's, of course, it's about practice, but you also have to get under the surface of the game. (laughs) Considering Mm. how much under the surface there is to the game, that's a long time spent. Long, yeah. I'm quite happy as I am, I think. Just kind of blundering my way through. I do need... To, I'd like to play more as well, though. Yeah. For sure. I'd like to play more. I'd like to play different types of chess as well. Because at the moment mm. I just play, like, 10-minute matches. Well, 30 minutes with me because I'm slow. Yeah. You're fucking useless. <laughs> well, just... I'd love to play, like, a three-minute game with you. Like, uh, a yeah, proper, no. I, like a proper rapid one. That's what I was saying. Queen's Gambit, they have a couple speed chess skits. And that is literally move, click, move, click, move, click, like, seconds. Yeah. That would be fun to just try. Yeah. For some I, reason. I, I think that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we're going to call it a day there. This has probably been about an hour and a half. Yeah. So thank you for listening, if you did. I um, hope you enjoyed the episode. It was a bit of a ra- well, a bit of rambly one, a very rambly one for me and Jay today. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Thank you for listening to the end. Give yourself a biscuit. Well done. Um, thanks. Join us next bye. time. Bye. Bye. We need to work on our outros, but that was fun. <laughs>